0: there when I need him, except at work. (laughs) He's always hiding at work, but that's okay. I love him anyway. (laughs) All right, we're going to try something new today because Dave's not here and I can, but uh, I got a little clicker. I don't know if I'm going to be able to figure it out or not, but I'm going to try my best. Um, I want to give a shout out to Miss Martha down in Florida. She... uh, doesn't know this, but as I've been working this week, I've been sitting in this little rocking chair by the fire, keeping warm, when I come home from work, and she was gracious enough to give us that, because she didn't want to take four trucks to to Florida, just one. So a special shout out to to Martha, and of course Bob and Sharon, I know you're down there watching, you'll call me tomorrow and let me know what I did wrong, but uh, (coughs) I for one find it easy to get into autopilot. Unfortunately, I spent a lot of time driving, and when you take the same route all the time, you just kind of forget what the landscape looks like because you've just seen it so much. So because we're normally in a routine, I'm going to switch things up this morning. I'm going to try to help you combat that hour that you lost that Eric mentioned. So I want you all to take that Bible that's in the chair in front of you and turn to page 827 we got them there we might as well use them otherwise we do have u version which i do like but sometimes it's nice to have that paper feel in your hand all right while you're turning there i want to tell you about this intriguing study that i've gone down the rabbit hole of so there's this book out there it's called the good life by robert waldinger and mark schultz and they take a look at some of the lessons learned from the world's longest scientific study on happiness So this study has been has looked at the lives of Harvard sophomores beginning in 1938, which I think might go back almost as far as Grandpa Spencer, but not quite. And it continues with those that are still around and some of their offspring. And also it included a group of 14-year-old boys from Boston that came from the most poverty-stricken areas of that time. And what they did is they wanted to look at these people Like, every two years, they'd get a survey. Every five years, they'd do blood work. Every 10 years, they would go do an in-person survey, following these people throughout their whole entire lives, seeing if there was something that popped up that said, these people are happy, these people are not happy. And you would think that the Harvard ones would be more happier than the ones that grew up in poverty. But after all these years of data collected, and (coughs) what they found was the one thing that primarily stood out was, What really mattered in a happy life was meaningful relationships. Those that had meaningful relationships at the end of their life were far more happy than those that had money, fame, or success. So when relationships fall apart, it has not only emotional implications, but physical and psychological as well. And that is why forgiveness matters. So if everyone's there, page 827, like I said, we're doing things a little bit different, so we're going to look at chapter 4, and I want you to read the first three verses together with me out loud. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. (coughs) Pray with me. Father God, as we come before you this morning, uh, we all have come with baggage on our shoulders, with relationships that aren't what they used to be with um, inconveniences that have gotten in the way of, of meaningful relationships. And we've let our pride get in the way of what could have been a um, just a more pleasant time. So I pray that as we continue on, as we look at these things, that you would not only bring to mind those that we need to make correction with, but that you would fill us with your spirit and give us the strength, to take this step forward and make that restitution. So I pray that you would not only be with us today, but that you would be with Dave and Cindy as their way, that you would allow him this opportunity to take his pastor hat off for an hour or two and to be part of a congregation, to be fed by your word, to worship with reckless abandon, um, and just to not look at it from a a way of uh, a job, how they do things different, but just be filled with your spirit, that you would come back with his cup filled and with new ideas and energy to lead us as we go forward. And it's in your precious name I pray, amen. Technology is great when it works, but I'm not that smart, I'm just a chicken farmer. So we'll see if it, we'll see if it, it's all blurry Jason, so I don't know if it's just got a reset here or whatever, but... um, Show of hands, how many of you in the past week have had the opportunity to either be offended or taken the opportunity to offend somebody else? (laughs) Well, not everybody, so some of you are doing better than I am, so maybe you should be up here. But, uh, so you had double, you had both opportunities. Thank you. So, uh, those Bibles that you had, you're welcome to take them home if you don't have one. Otherwise, we do use the Uversion app a lot. Um, there's that. That's what we did if you didn't have it. All right. So, however, today we live in a world that doesn't speak the language of love anymore. They're always looking for a reason to be offended. Whether that be offended on our commute in the car in front of us is actually only going the speed limit, and that really wrecks our day. (laughs) We get irritable when someone calls us instead of texts us. I mean, who does that? Or sometimes we have to go to meetings that we could have just gotten an email for. Or we get offended when we go to the store because the shelves are empty, or maybe our Amazon package hasn't arrived yet. We let the inconveniences of this life hold us back from having lasting impact in the next. So if you've been around church world for a long time, you know that Matthew 18, which is on page 671, is really kind of the crucial forgiveness, well, one of the crucial forgiveness stories. So let's look at this story in the book of Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew had a story that was probably one that's similar to ours, where there was things that chapters he wished weren't written and chapters he wishes he could erase. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Then Peter, we all know Peter. Peter is the one that likes to cause problems and say whatever all of us are thinking. Came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times... Shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That can also be 10,000 talents is often what is used there and was unable to pay. The master ordered that he had his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So (laughs) part of my research on this, I've been reading this book by, uh, Timothy Keller, who's a pastor down in New York City, is called "Forgive," and he identifies four elements in this story of how forgiveness works. The first element is uh, the identi- to identify the offense or the debt. In this debt, in this story, the debt was this enormous amount of money that could could obviously not be be paid, and it would make sense to believe, and according to uh, Tim Keller, that this probably wasn't like a normal household servant because you read this story and you're like, oh, a servant. How does a servant end up owing this guy millions and millions of dollars in today's terms when he's just a servant? Most likely, this would have been what they call a satrap or an under ruler. So taxes would go to Caesar because he was Caesar, so he seized your taxes, and then he would redistribute them. And here we have this very large sum of money that was squandered either through mismanagement or corruption. tells us here that watch yourself if your brothers or, s- or sisters sins against you to rebuke them so here you have where the the offense has been identified it was this large sum of money and uh, I don't I'm, I apologize I'm Easy to, it's easy to see the offenses in others. It's hard to see the offenses that we commit towards them. Oftentimes we get caught up with this idea that um, we forget what God's done for us and we only see what people have done to us. The second thing is we need to identify or I- identify with the wrongdoer. This is when we realize we are just as capable of committing the same wrong thing. One example that he uses is that if you've ever been like to a county fair or to the thing that they do caricatures. And what's unique about caricatures is they take these pictures and they exaggerate things. They take someone with ears and make them bigger. They take someone with eyes and make them cross. They have a bigger nose or whatever it is that they want to do. And a lot of times we can do the same thing. We take people, and instead of seeing an offense that they've done, we attribute that to their moral character. They're not. It's not that they lied. They're a liar. It's not that they stole. They're a thief. It's not that they. It's not that they're. They're. They're not just drunks. You know, they're other things. And so, what happens is, when we see that, we say you're a liar, but my situation is more complicated so I can get away with it. Or they say, well, you have a drinking problem, but I say, well, I've just been under a lot of stress, so it's okay if I do it. We need to understand the fact that if the situations in our life were the same, we may very well resort to the same action. A lot of times our lack of forgiveness stems from pride, where we think that because we're better than you, we don't have to forgive you. And when we, when we take that into account that we're all just as capable of doing the same stuff. I mean, we look at people whose marriages are fall apart and we say, well, that would never happen to me until it does. Or we look at someone who who steals and then we end up with, with debt that we can't figure out and then we do it and, and we can't figure out how we got down that road. So we need to be extremely careful that we we don't just attribute to them something that is not something we wouldn't do. And this guy, Miroslav Volf, and Bill, you'll have to correct me afterwards on the correct way to say that because I know that you know how to do it, says that forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. So we get this idea that as we're looking at somebody else that, their moral character it's who they are that's why they do this thing but in all reality it's we all have that within us. We're all capable of doing the same thing. The third thing we see out of this man, this good ruler is that he cancels the debt. This is where we pay the debt instead of making them pay for it. So illustration, if you came to my house, you were kicking a soccer ball or swinging in golf clubs, And a window is broken. Okay. So we have a broken window now, and I say, it wasn't malicious. Don't worry about it. I got that covered. Is the window still broken? Window's still broken, but I've chosen to absolve you of that debt. I've canceled it. It's not that there wasn't a debt that had to be paid. It was that I took it upon myself to remove you from having to pay that debt. I have chosen to absorb the loss, And this is what Mark tells us. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. <laughs> Sometimes we think that our forgiveness needs to be limited to when someone asks for it. But Mark tells us that if we come up with some way that has something against us, it's our job, even without being asked, to offer that forgiveness so that our communion with God is not impaired. Dan Hamilton says, forgiveness can be like buying an expensive gift for someone on credit. The gift is received in one, one moment when you say to the person I forgive you and enjoyed from there on. But the giver will continue to pay unseen until the debt is satisfied. Sometimes we offer that forgiveness and we mean it. We're genuine. It's really there. But that doesn't mean we're not making these payments that people don't see trying to get over that. Even in the Old Testament, it was set up, not, this isn't just a New Testament concept, in the Leviticus, Leviticus, which is Nally's favorite book because of all the unique rules they have in there, it says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart, rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so that you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This idea of forgiveness isn't just New Testament. It wasn't something that came about. It was it was in there for uh, the Israelites as they navigated into the New Promised Land. Forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. And what that means is that as you Offer forgiveness, there is always a cost because there was a debt. So if there's a debt, there has to be payment. So if someone, for instance, um, stole your reputation, that reputation has gone. But you can choose to use your reputation or what's left of it to forgive them and, and bring restoration. You're voluntarily paying that debt. list these seven common misunderstandings of forgiveness because forgiveness is this, it's really just this happy dance because some things work for some people, some things don't work for other people. A lot of it's our our um, personalities, it's our upbringing, that's the offense. Some offenses are minor, some would be more more intense, it would require different things. Uh, first one is excusing. Which All this one is, is the misunderstanding is, is that there was a misunderstanding. There really was no forgiveness needed because there was just a misunderstanding of what happened. As you got the proper information as it came to light, you're like, that really wasn't a big deal at all. That's not what this is. Forgiveness is not denying or whitewashing. It's not pretending that sin is not sin. It's calling it what it is. Forgiveness is not only refraining from active revenge. And that's when you wait for bad things to happen until you feel that they've finally paid enough. And then you, can, then you will forgive them. Uh, forgiveness is not suspended judgment, which is I'm keeping track. You're on probation. And uh, this I was just talking with uh, Bill Spencer yesterday. We were on our way to a men's prayer group. And he was telling me about these licenses they have over in Germany where they would write down every offense on there so that if you ever got in trouble, they'd be like, oh, that's what you did. But if you kept it clean after five years, they wiped it away. So it's not this idea of suspending judgment. It's not this idea of weaponizing, condescending mercy. What is that? You owe it to me because I didn't seek revenge. Look how great I am. I didn't come after you. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not abandoning justice. And this is probably one that the church struggles with the most. Because justice is pursued not only for God's sake, but for other potential victims and even for wrongdoers' sake. Too often the church is known to just sweep things under the rug to say, not a big deal. Just forgive and forget about it. But that's not actually what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is actually seeking justice because to allow someone to continue in wrong behavior is not loving. To allow someone to continue to hurt other people is not loving. So forgiveness is not just abandoning justice, and forgiveness also is not immediate trust. It's not something where as soon as you forgive, that relationship is right back to where it was. Now, there's going to be some minor things that there'd be no reason not to have immediate trust again. If someone stole a cookie, I don't think that that's a reason to think that they're going to continue to steal your cookie, and you can probably restore that relationship a lot quicker. But if someone was inappropriate or handling finances different. If they had a history of squandering money, you probably wouldn't give them your checkbook. There's got to be time. It takes time for some of this stuff to, to come back around. And finally, forgiveness works by willing their good. King let the servant go, and throughout the Newer Testament we see Jesus say, "Go and sin no more. You've been forgiven. Don't enslave yourself to that debt anymore." We see, if we follow on in the story, though, that this this servant did not actually he liked it in the moment when he got forgiveness, but it goes on to say. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who only owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't know where you are this morning different stories and we all have some chapters that are quite messy. We at Seneca Community Church seek to make a difference wherever you are. Maybe you're at step one. Maybe you've been able to identify the offense. But you're not sure how to get to step two. Maybe you've canceled the debt but you're still making payments on the inside and you can't seem to will them to good. Then again, maybe somebody here has never said yes to Jesus and you simply can't give what you've never experienced. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you've simply forgotten the the tremendous debt he's already forgiven you. As I was looking, there was podcasts I listen to and from a secular perspective they said forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Oftentimes when we hold things against people we're thinking that somehow it's going to change what's already happened but all it's doing is it's keeping us imprisoned from going forward. Today's bottom line is simple early so Miss Sue won't be mad because last time I went over. But again, if you were here in January, bottom line was plant the tree and the tree is kind of my symbol this year of the quicker you plant, the quicker it can grow. The quicker it grows, the quicker it can shadow others, it can provide shelter, it can provide shade, it can provide lumber, it, it provides so many things but it doesn't start until it's planted. So if you've ever driven up 89 on the corner by the chiropractic college, there is a forest in progress. I don't know if you've seen it, but it looks terrible. (laughs) But the thing is, is trees take time to grow. So some of us will probably actually get to see that forest and it'll be pretty neat. That's what my prayer is for this church. be a people who develop the habits of spiritual disciplines today so they would have time to grow and make a lasting difference in ourselves and in those around us what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to end our live stream i want to show a um, video by matthew west Called forgiveness. If you're watching online, you just YouTube it, and the song—the song really says it better than I could. So, if uh, Jason, you just want to dim a